calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Shout out to our sponsor, Wix.com. Go to Wix and build a website. Then come back and listen to this episode of Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today is Melanie Maras, quite possibly the funniest person in the world. She's a finalist in the Laugh Factory's Funniest Person in the World competition, representing her home country of Indonesia. Her comedy career is um, full of sex. She's got all kind of interesting one-woman shows, plays. She's the subject of a new documentary film. And then, of course, the Laugh Factory competition. She's got a lot of good stuff happening. She's going to tell us all about that, as well as giving us some important life lessons, career lessons, business advice, if you will. Uh, she's a great example of, of being vulnerable, of finding her own voice, and she's going to give us some tips on how to test your own boundaries. Good stuff coming up on Rebel Radio after our EDM.com track of the week. Was our EDM.com track of the week. That's Kyle Watson with a track called Watermelons. You can find that on First Edition label. Go to soundcloud.com slash first edition. And now let's hear the interview with Melanie Maras. Nice. All right. You be funny and we're just going to sit here and listen. No okay. pressure. Done. <laughs> and yeah, don't go. Worry. <laughs> Ready? Uh, no, don't worry. Hey, welcome. Hi. Josh, thanks for coming. Josh is not very funny, so. I'm not funny. I'm the not funny one. Uh, but so our guest today is Melanie Maris. Am I saying it right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Wow. 
Is okay. it how you say it? It's okay. That's how I say when people say Cassandra, Cassandra. How about if you like, tell us how you say your name? Um, I just say Maras. Maras. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you're really supposed to roll the R, but I don't. Oh. I, I like, myself don't even do that. So how could I ask anyone else to? <laughs> well, our guest today is Melanie Maras, creator of uh, the Red Flag play, and lots of funny stuff online, which you can tell us all about. <laughs> uh, the the uh, Mayo Kama Sutra was highly disturbing. Was so oh, were you we disturbed by that? About that a little oh. bit. <laughs> and uh, and apparently a funny storyteller. So thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now, how do you guys know each other? Because we found Bala. you. Yeah, we know each other through the magnificent Shelly Bala. Yeah, my one Indian friend. She, is she your one Indian I'm friend? I'm sorry. You need you, to get on top uh, of you that. You only have one, so you rotate them? Well, I once said that I have a lot of Indian friends, and then my boyfriend challenged me, and then I said, well, I just know Shelly Bala and Jay Bala. <laughs> <laughs> so I really don't know that many Indian people. So yeah, we know each other through a good friend uh, who's her best friend, Shelly. Who's, well, there's uh, only about a billion, Bala? roughly, Indian <laughs> people in the oh. world. So I was like, Balas? <laughs> it's not surprising you would only know one. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. Or where are they in L.A.? Do How many Indian friends do you have? A, a lot. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go home now. <laughs> like, at least one. Yeah. So that's basically how we know each other. And then I went to her show, and I was absolutely... Actually, I you was, went to Red Flag. I was so inspired. Yeah, I was so inspired. I left there and I was like, "What am I doing with my life? What? I need to influence and impact people the way you did for me." And it was awesome. It was, it spread that energy, and I was storytelling after sharing your stories. All right, we're not here to interview Cassandra. <laughs> but I'm so, gonna. I wanted to jump into. Uh, well, tell us what Red Flag's about. Yeah. <laughs> I watched some bits online. Yeah. And but give it for. Um, so a- anyone Red, who may not have seen it yet. Anyone who might not have seen it, which yeah. is most people, right. really. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, Red Flag, it's a true story. Um, and it's about um, it's about a, a lot of relationships I've had in my life, but it's mostly about one relationship I had that sort of derailed my life. And it's about all those red flags that come up in a relationship that you kind of clock them and you're like, oh. But then you just keep going. Sure. Um, so until the, to the point where it's just like, you know, you're, you're like, oh, this is rock bottom. Um, kind of like we're doing with this interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just ignoring all the red flags. Keep going. Yeah. Wait, am I the red flag? Um, so yeah, so it's, it's about that. And I mean, but ultimately if, if I did my job and I wrote it properly, the, the real, the real question is like, who the real red flag is me. You know, it's like, that's like the common denominator in like all of like these crazy relationships and all these crazy scenarios. Sure. So, so. And is that the, is that like the lesson that we, we want the audience to take? Is it like, I mean, there's there's like, in the mirror first, there's like a lot of lessons. It's like, don't, don't date guys with long hair. Don't like if your boyfriend buns. Check. Yeah. Let me write that down. (laughs) Man buns. I mean, I quite, I quite like a a man bun, but he's got long hair. If he has, well, hair. I mean, he had like hair down to his his bottom. We're talking about like a hair, like we're a talking bun about, of oh, hair. we're talking about like hippie hair. Like we're talking about like hair down to his ass. Like don't oh, wow. don't date a guy with hair down to his ass. That's a red flag. That's a red flag number one. <laughs> yeah. Number two, if he gives you chlamydia, don't keep dating him. <laughs> Run away. Well, maybe he's not going to give it to you again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else? Um, yeah, that's I a like good those one. Tips. Those are you good. Like, do you like those tips? 
don't know. Those <laughs> seem a little. They seem a little obvious. So, where did I mean? I thought the whole show was pretty ballsy. You know, you really went up there and exposed yourself and told these stories. And where did you get the balls to do that? Um. You know, I actually, it didn't really hit me the sort of the vulnerability of the whole thing of like getting on stage and, you know, talking about your most personal, most private moments until um, I had an ex-boyfriend come to the show. Not the guy. Not the guy. He was, it was a guy who was in the show, uh-huh. but it wasn't like the main mm-hmm. guy. Right. And he didn't tell me that he was coming and he sat in the back and I didn't see him. And like afterwards he texted me and told me he had come and I literally had a panic attack. Like I gave myself explosive diarrhea. I was has just like <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh my God. I was like, I can't believe like I get on stage and I say all these things in yeah. like front of all the all these people. Like what's wrong with me? <laughs> so that was the only moment where I really it really hit me. Outside of that it felt very natural. So did it but Hearing that and that happening to you, did that impact the rest of your performances? Yeah, they were probably, like, just went really downhill after that. Like, I'm sorry for anyone who came after that show. <laughs> for that night? For, 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 well, well, every was night. A running, it was a running, it was Got running, it. you know, like a couple weekends, right? Yeah. Uh, That's funny. And so, but, so what drove you to, how did, how did it come together? Like, what, what drove you to create it? Um, well, yeah, I ha- uh, this relationship I had that kind of really derailed my life, I just to sort of heal myself, mm-hmm. I started to write the show, but I started to write the show really casually, um, without any kind of intention. And, um, and then I took this solo show class with Lauren Weedman, who's an incredible storyteller. And so then I like wrote it a little more seriously and then like a little more seriously. And then I stopped writing it all together. And I have a theater company in New York called Inviolet and they have a retreat every year. And last summer they have... They had their playwriting retreat, and my friend Bixby Elliott was like, you have to come, and you have to bring your solo show. And he basically nagged me every day to the point where I was like, I just bought a plane ticket to shut him up. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, I'm only buying a plane ticket to come to this so that you will stop bothering me about it. And I was like, and I'm only coming for 24 hours. Um, what do you think he saw? <laughs> I don't know. You know how you have your friends that are really your champions, and they just believe in you, and... He, no. he's he's one of those for me. I don't you have don't? Any of those. No. You have Cassandra? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. My one yeah. Indian friend. And yeah. Cassandra. Well, I'm not Indian, She's but not Indian. fine. Um but yeah, so then I went to the retreat and I did I had maybe thirty minutes of the show at that point. Um and I, I read it really nervously off my iPad, you know shaking and the response that the audience gave me and the audience was really a a small group of people who I know very well they're in my theater company Mm -hmm. um but all the love and the enthusiasm and like I could feel them go on Mm -hmm. the journey with me and they really gave me all the motivation I needed to just start to move it forward and to start working towards a production and finish it and get it up on its feet and show it to the world yeah what is your, I mean, I don't know, this question's kind of funny, but what's your mission as a storyteller? My mission yeah. as a storyteller? Um, my mission as a storyteller is to, is to touch people um, and to illuminate humanity. And that's it, really. You do that well. Oh, thank you. Oh, what's it like dating while you're doing that <laughs> show? You know what's interesting is that um, I thought that, I thought that, 
men would see the show and just be like, like terrified, like just, just, you know, yeah, just like they'd just be so afraid. But I had so much interest from like people who came to the show. You were so funny. Because you're on stage. And she's so real and raw. I think people like dig that, you know, when you're so like, that's. They see the dollar signs. Can we get me some of that? Some of that red flag money. So, oh yeah. So any um so is that like the success of the show is maybe a potential husband? Um, um I don't I don't know that I would call that the the success of the show. Um but it wasn't I thought it would be I thought it would be like a real deal breaker for people and it it, it really wasn't. So it had no effect. Is that what you're saying? Um, it, well, it had no negative effect. Right. Okay. No yeah. negative effect. That's good. All yeah. Right. yeah. So, like, a guy came up to you out of, from the audience afterwards. It's uh, like, hey, I really liked your show. <laughs> Here's that my number. Yeah. Let's do this. Does that happen? I want to be number seven. On do you the have next chapter? Do you have somebody picking guys out of the audience to right. bring backstage? No, but that's that's a fabulous idea for the next run, Josh. That can be you. That could be your job. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Sure. No, no, I don't. I, that's not. I'm not the guy. <laughs> He's for that. not no? the guy for that. No? No. You need the guy from the plane to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, any surprising feedback that, like, kind of you weren't expecting? Um, well, I think I was really expecting people to be so offended and like repulsed, and I didn't receive that. So that was the most <laughs> surprising thing to me. Yeah. Really. Yeah. What do you think you would have done had that happened? Uh, just been apologetic. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry I'm alive. I'm right. sorry I was born. So a lot of your stuff is sort of like that. It's like very in your face. It's very raw in some ways. Like, you know, Kama Sutra male. Um, what is, what's the inspiration? Is it mostly ex-relationships? What, um, what happened? <laughs> What went wrong? <laughs> um, you know, I think that when I was growing up, my parents were, were I mean, super overprotective. Like, like just, you know, not like beyond like Tiger Mom. Like just an, another level or like Helicopter Mom or whatever. So you moved here called. from Indonesia, right? I moved, yeah, I'm, I grew up in Indonesia. Okay. My, and my dad's from Indonesia. My mom's from Oklahoma. And they're both from... Oh, wow like very small town. So like my dad's from a really small town in Indonesia. My mom's from a really small town in Oklahoma. So they both are hyper conservative and they're older as well. So they're from a different world, literally. How are small town Indonesia and small town Oklahoma alike? Um, I think people are simple minded and uh, in both places. We have a lot of listeners in (laughs) Indonesia, by the way. So (laughs) they'll be interested to hear this. Great. Um, I think that... I think that it's like if you if you grow up in a in a small town with limited beliefs, it's hard to look beyond that, and yeah. it's it's hard to grow and think of any other way of life because you've never seen anything else. Um, so those were my parents, and I think that just don't don't lock your kids up because they will end up like me. But you you're know? awesome. <laughs> so it's a cautionary tale. <laughs> it's a cautionary tale. So wait, and then so you you came. Uh, from you know another part of the world how did how did this how'd you get into storytelling and comedy and um, writing and all you that you know i i didn't get into storytelling and comedy until um 
about five years ago. I mm. took a storytelling class when I was living in New York with Kevin Allison, who he used to be on The State, and he has an amazing podcast called Risk and an amazing storytelling show called Risk. Um, and he really had the first storytelling podcast of note. Um, and, well, besides The Moth, of course, after The Moth. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, yeah, so I took the storytelling class with Kevin, and it was the first time I realized I was like, oh, like... I'm a comedian, you know. <laughs> like I didn't yeah. know before. It was so it was so obvious, but really? I just I didn't I didn't realize it. And then you know, doing writing stories and performing them, it was it was so natural to me. It was the most organic type of writing I had ever done. Um, and I and I like just I picked it up so quickly, and like the audience response was always like so tremendous. From the very first time I told a story, I was like, oh. You know, I think I should keep doing this. Yeah, mostly about your family. No, I have never actually written about my family. It's it's almost always about, you know, guys. Guys. <laughs> Sometimes girls. Okay. You know, but mostly guys. Yeah. It's funny that, um, you know, I think the like in the storytelling environments, the moth, and and uh, you know, I've heard some moth speakers talk about the experience and you know how different it is from say like stand-up comedy yeah where you know i think in a comedy club the the audience is kind of against you like until you win them over yeah, um, I th yeah i think they're there they can be really hostile the yeah audience is in a, in <laughs> yeah a, in stand -up. whereas at places like the moth i think it's much more it tends to be much more supportive mm. yes yeah yeah so and have you bombed have i bombed um yeah yeah i mean even like even like doing my solo show there would be nights where it's like the audience was just not responsive and it's like yeah. they so they inform the show so mm -hmm. much like their responses and it, it really sets the tone for everything so if you're like not getting anything and everyone experiences in their own way like not everyone is a laugher or whatever that doesn't mean that they're not with you or they're not enjoying it and like some audiences are like really noisy and like knocking over beer bottles mm -hmm. and um arguing with the waitress <laughs> So it's 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 I'm not at a point where that doesn't affect me. Mm. Sure. Um, so how do you recover when you have, you know, let's say you don't have a great show. Like, how do you recover from that? In the moment or afterwards? After. <laughs> when you go in your room. Oh, I mean, you just, you know, Drink. wish you were dead, <laughs> you know, wonder why you're alive. Like, don't ever want to do it again. You're like, What's wrong with me? Why did, mm. I, why did I choose this? And then you just do it again. Right. So, so but how do you get through it on stage, right? So you, you you had a show last night and the audience was really into it and now tonight, you know, it's the same material and you're just not getting it. And like so what do you do in that moment? Um I try to be present in every moment so that every moment is alive and real for me. I'm with varying degrees of success. Sure. Uh and I just try not to get too in my head because like in my head it's like oh my god god just leave just walk just yeah, go home they hate yeah. you yeah <laughs> just find a you know a manhole to just throw yourself into um so i try to like just quiet those voices and just be as like you know positive yeah as honest right. and open and vulnerable as i can be in the moment and like hope that i can <laughs> Is it hard to date when you're like a comedian and going through? Because it feels like it is a lot of ups and downs. A lot of people say it, you know. Is I think, it hard? Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody who's a creative 
has that and it's mm. it's the it's like every time you finish a project you know you're like hmm, like what like what am i going to do next you know mm-hmm. what's right. you know it, it's just there's there's not that constant steady anything um and i i realized and i don't i don't know that this is so much a problem for like male male comedians like male comedians really crush a lot of ass yeah. um but if you're a woman and you you get on stage and you you talk about your personal life in an irreverent manner like men are really afraid of that like and men are all sorry um <laughs> men, are all, right. men are all sort of so um self-important that they always assume uh that y- that you're gonna talk about them oh uh, you know? i don't know i've never dated a comic so i <laughs> I have no idea if I would assume that. Yeah. Interesting. What are you looking at? That card. Oh, yeah. So tell us about the, the male Kama Sutra. What would you like to know about it? Um, what was the... Why? What, what <laughs> why? drove you to, to make that? You know, that's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Super passionate about it. Um, so what? Give us the, give us, <laughs> give us the pitch. Uh, well, okay, so the Male Kama Sutra is a tongue-in-cheek comedic video, and it's about all those sexual, quote-unquote, positions that you hear about, like the Cleveland Steamroller, or the Houdini, or the Donkey Punch is a, mm-hmm. is a popular one. Sure. <laughs> I, I may need to read that book. Of course. But so there are all these sexual scenarios where you those can... Those are actually not in the Kama Sutra. Okay. <laughs> That's a, that's a different... Yeah, that's okay. a different text. Yeah. Um, but so there are all these sexual positions wherein you either, you know, beat a woman, completely defile her, or murder her, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, people think they're hysterical and they're so funny. And there's no reverse, you know? There's no female one where it's, like, the one where you, like, you know, uh, sit on a guy's face and then you pour, Cut like, liquid liquid Drano down his mouth, you know? Like, sure. yeah, and then call it the plumber. There's that. Nobody nobody, nobody talks about no, the plumber. No, because guys make those stupid things up. Exactly. Right. Um, so I just, for me, I thought it would be very entertaining to, you know, do a few of these, some of my favorites, <laughs> the jelly donut. That's pretty top notch. Um, and call it the male Kama Sutra. Okay. I, mean, for, I mean, it's pretty fratty humor, I yeah. think. I don't know. I liked it. What'd you use for the jizz? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Okay. So, my friend Bixby Elliott <laughs> taught me how to make fake jizz. I guess he may or may not have spent some time on a porn set <laughs> as a PA. Um, but so, what you want to do is you want to get a white lotion. I use Lubriderm. And you want to add some water to it in a in a shaker see the shaking mm-hmm. motion i'm doing with my hand and, you know we have, you... can we grab the shake weight <laughs> we have that it's around here somewhere. do you have a shake weight oh yeah we, it's a prop carry down um, warm up and you would you uh, the amount of water you would add would just be that would relate to the the consistency you want like right. how thick okay. or how thin you want it and then right. this is key you add a little bit of uh cooking oil for, to give it that viscosity mm. you know that sort of shiny Okay. Kind of. Yeah. I get what shiny Texture. Means. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used grapeseed oil, but you could use whatever oil you have in your I'll kitchen. Tie it in. Yeah. I mean, you spend light. a lot of money I, on yeah. that. Yeah. It's a big budget it's production. For, great for cooking eggs, also. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you shake that all together, uh, and voila, boom, semen. So, 
they used fake jizz on porn sites? Is this surprising to you? Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, do they? <clears throat> I thought everything was That's real. not common knowledge. <laughs> oh, whoops. Really? Sorry. You're spilling an industry secret That's right Sorry, now. whoops. <laughs> do you guys know that? <laughs> yeah. There's a guy with a little gun, like, hiding behind like, the Boom, got like, it. Hit her right on the spot. Um, okay. Really? That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, the, consist- the consistency was probably what was most disturbing. <laughs> in, which in that, is, in that which video. means you did it well. <laughs> um, YouTube actually flagged my video. Um, as inappropriate as inappropriate and i have i've i've protested to no avail i haven't heard anything back so is it down right now we can't well no no you you can you can still watch it it's just age restricted so you have to be signed into youtube to prove that you're over 18 hey let's promote the channel so did you get (laughs) any like oh Oh, uh, my youtube channel is miss trouble jones miss trouble jones yes and you're trouble jones on twitter um, Trouble Jones on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Did you? Did somebody give you that name, or you gave it to yourself? Oh, I gave it to my own self. Mm. Yeah. My Trouble Jones. Um, I feel like Trouble Jones is my alter ego, um, and Tr- Trouble Jones is kind of like me, but you know, without any conscience or like regret. Okay. <laughs> so do kind we? Kind of girl who gives a guy a jelly donut. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Well, I mean, not yet. But in we, theory. let's not cross it off the list. Okay. You know? Sure. So how long have you had this alter ego? Is it as long as you've been working <laughs> in the comedy comedy writing space? Um I probably I probably started using it when I lived in New York, but then I didn't I didn't really I didn't I didn't start to use it all the time until I started to get into Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. and and then I, I, I was kind of like, oh, this is good. I can hide. But then everybody knows that I'm Trouble Jones, so I can't hide from anyone. So, but is that a real thing? Like, do you? Yeah, I was just. Gonna... Do you kind of get into this Trouble Jones mindset, and like, like is that a persona in your mind that you that you create from? Um. Or is it just a Twitter handle? It's not just a Twitter. I mean, handle. <laughs> it's none of my business. No, I mean, I think that there's definitely moments in my life and activities from my life that have been like way more Trouble Jones than m- me, you know. Um, I used to drink really heavily, um, and do you, do you want a cocktail? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, the, the, and and there's I socially. Recre- participate in some recreational drug use, um, but I haven't had like, a drink. Like steroids, <laughs> like, <you mean>? like <laughs> mushrooms. Um, I love mushrooms. No, not anymore. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't like, I've been like clean for like ten months. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I love mushrooms too. <laughs> I know. I actually want to do them maybe on my birthday. Oh well. <laughs> I don't want to be locked in a car for hours again. So, oh no, no, it's bad. Is that what happened? I don't know. I just, hmm. I don't know. Tell us about that. Nah. (laughs) Hey, check it out. Rebel Radio is brought to you by Wix.com. Do you need a website? No, let me tell you, you do need a website. And you can do it yourself with Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, if you got a startup, your music career, your uh, earwax collection, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever it is, you need a website. And Wix is used by more than 84 million people worldwide. It makes it easy to get your website live today. You can spend time on your business. Don't spend time building your website. There's hundreds of designer-made templates to choose from. 
use the drag and drop editor. You drop in your images, your videos, your copy. And next thing you know, you have a beautiful website that you built yourself. It's fast. It's easy. It's free. We did it with rebelradio.net. Check it out. And you can see the amazing work you can do with Wix.com. You're too busy with everything else. Stop worrying about your website. Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com. Create your own website today. Send it to us and we will promote it online. All right. Okay. So writing, performing, which do you prefer? <laughs> Let's break this up. Um, uh, okay, we can move past the mushrooms if that's if that's what you'd like to do. Um, so uh, what do I prefer, writing or performing? Um, or both. I would say, I mean, I only like to perform my own writing, so I think it's probably 50-50. Why is that? Because I think that's that's when I'm my best self. <laughs> okay. You talk a lot about sex. Do I? What's that about? <laughs> um, I mean... I think it goes back to like growing up very, 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 mm. you know, repressed, sheltered. repressed very sheltered, yeah. very conservative. Um, my uh, preacher's but, daughter kind of thing. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, not quite. My dad's Muslim, um, but my mom is w w I grew up in a Baptist church in Indonesia. And I mean, like really like old school style Baptist. And I like wasn't allowed the only like there was a certain point in time where the only social activity I was allowed to do outside of school activities was like I could go to youth group and mm. like th that was it. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, and, and like my parents were just like, they they would just be like, you're a whore, you know, and like I'd be like, had never even like t been alone in a room with a boy, you know what I mean? They like were just terrified of the idea yeah, of like, it happening. Yeah, they'd be like, ah, you're a slut, you know. <laughs> I'd be like, really? <laughs> um, I'm like, guess what? No one wants to touch me. Um, so I think that it's like because I was so repressed and I was so on lockdown, like sure. I just, I was just so determined to completely explore. Uh, Sexy time. That life, you know. <laughs> um, I've never been like a sex worker or anything. Not that I'm against sex workers. That's try fine. It. Try um, it and come back on the show. Tell yeah. I mean, I went through a real phase where I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to moonlight as a dominatrix. Mm. Um but then I didn't move forward with it because I was like, oh, my clientele, like, what will they be like? You know what I mean? <laughs> Is it going to be like just just some really repulsive creature and then it's like I have to urinate on him? Like, I mean, the act what I actually like thought about doing it, I was like, I don't, this is not. Like you made a list. Hot. What was the part that you thought you would enjoy? <laughs> Yeah, being this alter ego. Um, I don't know. I think I liked the outfits a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone likes a little light BDSM. Um, and uh, I, th I think I was like excited by, about the dominating part of it. But I just think the logistics of it. Hmm. No. Are you very dominating in relationships? Like, are you the one saying, like, <laughs> we're doing this, we're going here? Um, I have been, but I would really like, I'd like to be with like a man who leads. Like, I'd love to be with a man who yeah. could like whoopush me. Yeah. But a lot of relationships, like it's 
it's different in the relationship yeah. than in sex, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes people switch roles. Yeah. We don't, I don't do that. <laughs> what is, what's it like for you? No, I'm the dominant Whoa! one in, in our, in my, my marriage. Definitely. We have a good, like, we, you know, we, we understand the roles and we, everybody works for everybody. And you have like a traditional marriage. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You hesitated. No, I don't. I, We're learning a little bit more about Josh every episode. So. No, I mean, I never thought about like the, in those terms, but yeah, I mean, we, yeah, like, yes, traditional marriage. <laughs> so w- wait, what do your parents think about your material do you show them did they come to your show oh my god no <laughs> so is it totally secret do they not have internet well my mom doesn't know how to use the internet uh, thank god <laughs> um and i think my dad is just kind of like too self-consumed to like google me <laughs> <laughs> so funny. you know i just i i'm not i'm not hiding anything mm-hmm. but i also don't i'm not i'm not like sending them videos Right. Of my of my material, they didn't see the male Kama Sutra, and if they did, it was not because I sent it to Are them. Are they the ones who flagged it on, <laughs> on YouTube? They like yeah. we work for YouTube. Now. Yeah. So um, wait, because we get a lot of letters from people who want to become dominatrixes. And do you yeah, really? You'd be surprised. No, come on. And they don't know how. So so how are you going to go about it? Well, there was a um, a club in New York okay. where dominatrix dominic try dominatrixes um i don't know what the plural is um, where they work so I was crazy just, people <laughs> whatever i was just gonna investigate i was gonna investigate that okay i mean i would think it's in not Los like on meetup or something i think it, i mean i think probably in this day and age it's really easy yeah, to figure easy. out yeah. like how to become a dominatrix and it's like i'm sure you could just start your own shop you know um like your own website and just start soliciting clients i don't think you need any kind of certification mm. um I, I don't know how safe that is. I wouldn't advise anyone. <laughs> you need to like do a that. lot of gear, though, right? You can't just like. It's probably really expensive. I'd be like, Fuck can't this. just start beating someone with a stick or like. like damn, you, I can't. You need like contraptions. I don't. Know. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think you need that many contraptions. Okay. Well, I you got to change it up. Yeah, I mean, I think that people are, are simpler than, than we anticipate. But well, maybe, what do I know? I've never been a dominator. Maybe you should start like a web series on like how to become a dominatrix and you can charge for that is that a service i don't is know that what you'd be interested in <laughs> no no I, I actually don't want to be a dominatrix that's not so really my thing all right <laughs> so a lot of your your a lot of your material is inspired by s- sex and you know ex relationships <clears throat> do you feel like red flag is a turning point in those you know, there's uh, like, are you going to continue doing the same thing or are you shifting and maybe like, do you go now just have a relationship and then come back and do a new show? Like, are you going to do are you going to keep this uh, whole Trouble Jones thing going to fuel your material? Um, well, I definitely I don't I, I very there's very few times in life where um, I'll do things to just to get material to just to get material sure i mean we all have our moments you know but give give us one (laughs) tell us one thing you did just to get material um what now i'm blanking but anyways those moments are few and far between (laughs) right um i would say that red flag is a turning point for me because every because it's the most 
true to my voice. It's the most true to my point of view. And I think that um, the pro- the problem I've had with my writing in the past is I've, I've tempered it and I've taken too many people's notes and like it just causes the writing to fall on its face, you know? And also I think that Red Flag's a turning point because everything I've done before the, before this was sort of like quite lighthearted and I, mm-hmm. and I went to like a far deeper place with this and I think I'm just gonna continue to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. You, you know, getting notes and and feedback and whatever. Um, you know, how do you know? How do you how do you know what to listen to and what to ignore? And I mean, I think you just have to really follow your intuition um, because some notes are can transform a piece of writing and make it so much better than what it was and are really necessary. And other notes, it's like, eh. mm. you know, ultimately at the end of the day you're the writer it's your voice it's your story you're you have to listen to yourself Mm -hmm. how long does it usually take to write your stories um i guess it depends on the length of the story um like a five or ten minute story i could write in you know less than a week Mm -hmm. um but you know my solo show was like 90 minutes that i probably worked on it for close to a year and a half yeah oh wow yeah it's a good one so and how how big is that for you like how in in your mind sort of how successful was red flag and and what does that do for the next phase of your career um i mean red flag was successful in that there was that i just i set this goal for myself and i did it i I never dreamed that i'd be able to you know write a show, get it produced, stand on stage for 90 minutes and actually capture an audience. Um, so in that way, it was a success for me. And also, I mean, there was quite a lot of interest in my writing um, and whatnot from there. I mean, I made I made a lot of changes after after the show. I like fired my managers. Like, I, I think it just it gave me a lot of more confidence in myself mm-hmm. um, and in my writing and what I'm capable of and what I can accomplish. Um, you know, I mean, it definitely, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, like, what not to ever do again. Um, and I'm hoping to do the show in New York and, like, you know, do a complete rewrite on it and have, like, a whole new team of people work on it and just have it be really next level. Um, and I'm working on a couple of TV pilots now. Like, one of them is sort of based on my character in Red Flag. And then another one's based on my family. Um, so... Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's just it's just been a lot of like momentum that's built up, a lot of stimulus, mm. and it's kind of been a real engine for me. Yeah. So is that like a one? Is it a bunch of little small steps that you kind of like? <clears throat> are there moments where you notice, like, oh, I'm here and I used to be there? Like, it, does, does that stand out at all? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that. Um, I can feel, I feel different now. I feel different than when I moved to Los Angeles a few years ago. And I, when I first moved here, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't confident in my work. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know what I was capable Mm -hmm. of. And now it's like, I know what I'm walking into a room with. Um, and I know what I want. I know I want people to meet me on my level. And it's like, you're either going to meet me on my level or you're not, you know, it's like buy, sell or get out of the way. Sure. (laughs) So can you think of when that happened? Like when, when the, does it like a switch I think it was really, it was after I did my show, after I did my show and like audiences started to come and I started to feel 
the the response and like everything that the audience gave me and you, you know it, it, it was that it was it was the audience gave me the confidence mm -hmm. yeah was there stuff that you thought was like gonna kill and and it just I mean you know you talked about it's different night to night but like you know can you think of some material that you're just like this is gold and then it just doesn't go <laughs> I mean I think my point of view is really really specific and sometimes like people don't know yeah. what I'm talking about they yeah. have no idea it makes so much sense to me and there I mean the thing I guess that was even more surprising is there were things that there were moments that I didn't I would just skim over I didn't think that they mm -hmm. were m moments that had any meaning or weight or humor at all and like audiences would just love them so much so what's one of those well I mean now I can't think of any <laughs> But they were there. Okay. So New York, you're you're taking red flag. You're gonna change it a little bit now. Doing the solo thing was was that like all you always knew it was gonna be that type of show? Did you ever think about bringing in characters? I mean, I had I hadn't. No. Um, really, like my inspiration was Mike Birbiglia. He's he's my I mean my all-time favorite storyteller and comedian so I just I would just listen to his albums and watch his live show on Netflix like over and over and over and over again mm. <laughs> what is it about his stuff that connects with you um I think he's a master storyteller because he he starts off in this way that's like so you know kind of like unassuming and like casual and it's like and he tells you this whole story and, and like and, and and every bit of it is like interesting and draws you in and there's moments of humor and there's moments of real humanity mm -hmm. and it's like and then it's like at the end everything comes full circle and it's like it just hits you mm -hmm. like a ton of bricks and you're like oh my god mm. you know and it's like this thing that you're like I'm having so much fun I'm having so much fun and then you're like oh I just really I, I just live through something with you. Anybody else that comes to mind that's been a big influence on you? Um, I love Louis C.K. Yeah, he's awesome. I love Larry David. I, I liked Margaret Cho in the early days when she was doing, yeah. like, Drunk with Power and I'm the one that I won and then Notorious C.H.O. Then she went in a direction that... I can't speak to. Mm. Oh, I don't um, know what she's doing now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, those comedy albums were just, and also she too had these moments that were just so revealing and so vulnerable mm -hmm. and so raw. Um, and seeing a woman do that, especially like an Asian woman was just, that was very inspiring for right. me. Um, but yeah, when I was little, my, my first comedy influence was John Cleese. Mm -hmm. Um, there was an American club in Jakarta where I grew up and they had this video library and it was it was all these videos on VHS <laughs> and you could rent videos from there. I mean, there was also like all these, you know, these little ghetto video places where it's like they they, they like, have these Betamaxes and these VHSs of like right. all these all bootleg. like all these bootleg like Hollywood yeah. movies. Um, so, but I like the the American Club was like my jam because they also had like these Oreo milkshakes that they would make there, and you couldn't buy Oreos in Indonesia. They like got them at the U.S. commissary, so it's like I was like, <laughs> like I'm gonna get this at the bootleg place. Um, wow. 
So they had the Faulty Tower series and I would rent them over and over and over and over and over again. And I um, I would, I, my favorite episode was called The Kipper and the Corpse and I transcribed it with a number two pencil. And then I convinced my teacher to let me go around to like other fifth grade classrooms and like reenact it. And like I played Basil Faulty. <laughs> oh God, that's so funny. Um, and it's so weird because it's like I, when I started listening to Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, I realized that that is something that lots of comedians do as kids is they transcribe <laughs> hmm. um, stand up and they transcribe like shows that they mm. love. Like that was like a, that was like a really common That's funny. practice. Yeah. And I had no idea. I never did that, but I used to memorize. Yeah. I used to sit and listen to Richard Pryor, or, uh, Eddie Murphy, you know, on vinyl. Oh, wow. And, or Robin Williams, Steve Martin, and just like memorizing. And I'd go to school the next day and I would tell these jokes. And I, you know, not as if they were my own, but I'm like, oh, let yeah. me, let me tell or Dr. Demento was a huge, you're probably too young. I don't know who that is. Um, it was this weird radio show, weekly Sunday evening radio show that was like weird. It was a mix of stand up comedy and like recorded, you know, like stuff off of comedy albums. Okay. Just weird comedy radio on like K rock or mm -hmm. something. Um, Anyway, but I would sit and just memorize bits and, like, go to school the next day and do them. And how would they land? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was, like, 11. They're fine. Where, where, <laughs> where, like, where were you living? In San Francisco. Oh. So, I mean, kids are pretty progressive in San yeah, Francisco. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it, it worked. Yeah. I didn't have, like, a big crowd. It was just, you know, a couple of my buddies. Like, here's what I heard last night. So, did you, wanna, did you ever want to be anything else beside a writer or comedian? Um, oh God, the list is so long. Really? Um, what were you doing before five years ago? Um, I was working in Dominatrix. Well, no, that was just a pipe dream. <laughs> um, I was working in production, uh, and before that, I was doing acting. Um, and like, I also I went through this phase, this like very fervent phase, where I was like, I'm going to be a professional matchmaker, and nice. <laughs> I was obsessed with Patty Stanger. And like on Craigslist, I found this job like to work with Patty Singer, the millionaire matchmaker. And I went and I'm and it was like it was like I went and I met and it was like I guess a couple of people who were on the show at the time. I'm not really sure what's happening with the show now. <laughs> um, and I met them at like this coffee bean in Burbank. And what they wanted me to do is they wanted me to go to um, bars restaurants nightclubs grocery stores synagogues i don't know just all <laughs> over like southern california they were like don't limit yourself to la uh and they wanted me to approach m s strangers and go up to them and be like hi are you single you're right <laughs> and nice. of course like and i and like it like i started doing this now i was like this is you started you did it you actually I, start I started i started doing it and i was like and i was like this is a Terrible idea. Why is it such a bad? Why this was it such a bad job? This is for the show or this for was, their yeah. matchmaking service. Well, they were. Um, they want to get like the rejects too. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is like they obviously use a casting agent right. for yeah. it. So why why they had like me? But it wasn't to go drum up business for the matchmaking service. No, it was, it was like, like to like, get to get, to get yeah. guys right. on the show, which was yeah. like very bizarre. And it was like, and I was in the West Hollywood area a lot, and there was probably three guys I went up to who were like. The casting director for Millionaire Matchmaker already contacted me. Like, I'm not going to do this. We're crossing each other's territories. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's so why wait, they said get out of LA. No, no, right. So wait, why was it? Why was it so bad? Well, it was just bad because like people would be like, 
you know, are you a prostitute? Like, what is this service you're soliciting? Like, <laughs> you want, you're trying to get me on a reality show. Like, I'm not going to do really it, <laughs> you know, but like, what's your deal? Like, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's a bad, it's a bad position. How long is, that, last? is that how you met the hair bun guy? <laughs> no. No. That would have been cool. Dare we say his name? <laughs> yeah, what's um, his name? No. What's his no, uh, no, Twitter no. handle? What's his Twitter handle? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Did he come to Twitter. the show? Uh, I don't believe so. You know, not that you know of. Not you that I know You of. didn't look out and see him. I didn't look out and see him. But you know what's really crazy? I had not seen him um, since this moment where that I describe in the show that's really dramatic where we like, you know, we like are just yelling at each other on like Black Ren Sweetster for like hours. Um, and I had ne- and then that was two years ago and I hadn't seen him. And then the day of my first show, the day that like my show opened, I was, and I moved recently to an anonymous location. <laughs> Um, and my, my park, my parking space is off of like an alley and I live in kind of like an, uh, it's just kind of like a, a, a random area with not a lot of foot traffic. Um, and I pull out and he's standing on my street corner. Oh, wow. That is so freaky. And it was, it was, it was, it was really bizarre. And I, and I, and I was like, oh, like my, my body had a response to it. I was like, that's him. You know, like I saw his back was turned to me. I just saw the man bun, you know, but I knew. And then it's like he turned and there was this moment where he kind of like looked in the car and then he like turned away. And of course, he was like with some girl who kind of looked like me. (laughs) Um, And I had this moment because I was like, I was like, what do I do? Like, what's the protocol? Like, nobody prepares you for these moments. I'm like, should I stop the car? Like, should I say hello? Like, should I give him a flyer for my show? (laughs) Should I hit him with my car? Like, what do I do? And like, I couldn't figure out what to do. So I just kept driving. Thank God the light was green. Um, That's crazy. But that was that was really strange. Um, What do you do before your shows? How do you get ready? Um... I would try to like have like a calming, grounding moment. Definitely pray a lot, like really hard. Um, and is it Muslim prayer or Baptist prayer? <laughs> or do you just cover is both? Is it both? You do. Um, it's probably a Christian prayer, you know. Okay. Uh, not Baptist though. Not. I you, mean, do you not speaking tongues before the show. No, 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 no. Not not this time. Okay. Maybe next time. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I pace a lot. There's a lot of pacing. Yeah, sure. just going through the lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you do you practice at home, like saying the lines out loud over and over and over and over again? Um, I, I when I was memorizing it, yes, mm. for sure, I did. Yo, I hope you're enjoying this interview with Melanie Maras. We got some other great comedians we've had on the show. If you look back in our iTunes or our SoundCloud page. Check out the one with my guest, Kira Sultanovich. She is another hilarious comedian, and uh, we, we mix it up a little bit on that one. You might like it as well. Now back to Melanie Maras. All right, I want to go back to the hair bun. Because, <laughs> well, you know, the show's red flags, right? So, because I feel like, I mean, I've never dated a man. Yeah. But I I feel like if I were that, you know, the hair bun would be a deal breaker for me. What it I mean it's so popular now the man bun. Yeah, but his was like his would have been like the one where you 
yeah. on it and it like I don't know over. I, can't, I can't imagine no it's really popular right now it's really it popular it has like it's own hashtag yeah and it's like and it's like guys who like are like rocking a man bun with like sideburns and like a beard oh, it's like that's crazy that's what it, like especially in Venice I think sideburns would probably be a deal breaker for me too I don't but know I'm not here's I, the thing I, don't mind I think anything this. with a hashtag would be a deal breaker for me well then it's too cool and then you gotta shave it you know I don't know then it gets like that because then if you do have so a what's a deal breaker now now that we've learned yeah, we these lessons okay what are the deal breakers okay if a guy, you meet a guy, we've talked about this one, mm-hmm. and he texts you, and there's an emoji in the text. Does that does that kill the deal? No, or that's still okay. I like emojis. You do. Yeah, I he's like a man who uses emojis. Time. I I don't mind it, but he's like smiley face. Ugh, no guy puts a smiley face. I'm like, like that's... no real man uses a smiley yeah, face. Is not... that what you mean? Yeah. You'd say you like a sort it's of a take charge in man. This, in, I, I, in my generation. in my view, like a take charge man does not. Do you ever use emojis? Use emojis never. never. Oh, never. No. And have you ever tempted to even have yeah. the, have it on your keyboard? Like you can't delete them. No, but when you're texting Josh, you probably think chances you are you think he doesn't like you, so you probably should. That's not true. I Why just, is it, well, first of all, I, I'm not. He'll I, say that's funny. I if limit it's actually, myself. Ha ha. He'll say that's funny. Period. I limit myself to one exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. Also Not like he's a 11. Writer. Yeah, I'm 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 a fan of like whole row yeah, whole of row. exclamation marks. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what's the deal? So breaker? that's not oh, a deal okay. breaker. Emojis, that's fine. Um, okay, deal breakers. Now I would say, okay, if the guy's got a drinking problem, that's a deal well, breaker. Okay, that's no fun. <laughs> Believe is it or not, not, that's not a lot of people don't. They don't. Yeah, they don't. Say no. that this is all. This is all. Right. Uh, this is this is new things. These are new for me. Okay. Um, he's got a drug problem. If he does any kind of drugs, including marijuana, every day, yeah, that's a deal breaker. That's a good one. Um, How, so where's the line there? <laughs> like every other day, that's too much. I'm if if it's multiple times a week, like okay. it's too much. Once a week. Mm. <laughs> Once a week's all right. You're really you're really you're really no, threading curious. the line. No, you're I'm really just threading the line the, with the know, once a week drug use. Works. Okay. Um if you are a narcissist, that's a deal breaker. If you're condescending, if you talk down to me, that's yeah. a deal breaker. If you don't fucking get your wallet out and pay, that's a deal breaker. So okay, so drug abuse yeah, or drug abuse. Uh, cheapskatism. Yeah. If you if you're broke yeah, that's a deal breaker. Sure. Yeah, forget about it. If you're broke, I'm not dealing with it. I no, dated a skater boy who was semi model, and dude, it was terrible. <laughs> semi model, you know, he was on one mo- he was on one commercial, running on a bike or, or like getting on a bike, and yeah, he thought he count. was like, oh my god, that's so good. I couldn't do it. <clears throat> yeah, if you if you are unemployed, mm-hmm. that's a deal breaker. Uh, if you're a, if you're a man whore, that's a deal breaker. Um, if you, if you're like bullshit with communicating, like you, you just send like text messages aimlessly, like not trying to meet up or it's like, it takes you multiple weeks to Mm. ask me out and you're texting me all the time. No. If you're married, that's a deal breaker. If you're engaged, (laughs) that's a deal breaker. Um, really high standards. (laughs) That's funny. Okay. And uh, what else? See, I'm thinking like if you know if a guy orders like a Cosmo or something like he's out. Well, well, what that's drink? More of a red flag. What, what drink? That's more, that's of, a more of a red flag. So what drinks? Like you're on a date, first date. Yeah, it's going pretty well. Like the you know the first few minutes, whatever, right? Like it feels okay. And then you know you get to the bar. What drink could a guy order 
that then sends that date in a different trajectory. That's a good oh. one. That's a good one. Yeah. Anything. I mean, now it's like specialty cocktails are such yeah, it's such, such a, a thing. thing. Yeah. You know, mixology and all sure. that. So you can't like knock a guy for ordering a specialty cocktail. It's not like the old days where it's like, you know, can I get a sax on the beach or like, <laughs> yeah. can I get a French martini or right. like first of all no you can't just leave um, apple martini yeah apple right. martini kill yourself no why are you alive um but those days were that's sort of like a dated that's a dated model unless you go to maybe a dive bar i feel like mixology kind of came in to save those guys right yeah it's like we're gonna we're gonna Thank give God. you no seriously yeah you're sweet I mean, yeah, it's like if a guy's ordering like a, I mean, who does this anymore? This used to be my signature drink, but like a Long Island iced tea. Yeah. You know, which has- My ev- wife orders Long Island Does she? Sure. Wow. Yeah. She's the best. She also drinks Fireball. <laughs> she, yeah, she loves, she loves Fireball. No, she's great. Um, she could drink whatever she wants. Yeah, she can drink whatever she wants. Wait, so I'll date what's, your wife. What's the, best, what's the best advice you've ever been given for dating? Um, the best advice I've ever been given for dating is, um, stay to your kind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess is to be open to the moment, Yeah, you know, and to like forget everything you knew before. Mm, That's a good one. Um, and, and, and something that I have to be reminded of all the time is that when you're dating someone you have to remember that like you don't know them yeah they're a stranger like you can and you can project all kinds of things on them and you can you know have sex with them and like think that you know whatever you want to think you know you know what i mean and and it's like it's a stranger Mm -hmm. like you don't know him or her that's that's something i have to remember all the time what about work what about work yeah best advice you've ever been given about work yeah. oh i mean the best advice i've ever been given about work is to ju- is to have a um a shell like an armadillo and an inside like a marshmallow which means that you don't let anyone's negativity or rejection or jealousy or whatever affect you but to still keep your your vulnerability and like mm. your truth mm. Have you had mentors? Yes. People help you along the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. I've been really lucky. I've had some awesome mentors. Um, Stephen Adley Girgis is my writing mentor, and he just won a Pulitzer for his play Between Riverside and Crazy, um, which was at the Atlantic Theater in New York. And he's the creator and executive producer of a new show that's coming to Netflix. It's called The Get Down, and it's about uh, the Boogie Down Bronx and the birth of hip hop. And Baz Luhrmann's directing the pilot. Nice. Um, and Stephen directed my first play in New York, which was called Kiss Me on the Mouth, which was just life changing for me, mm. um, for him to champion me and get behind me and endorse me and, you know, direct my work was truly phenomenal. How'd you meet him? I met him. I went to a drama school in New York called the Maggie Flanagan Studio, and Stephen had been a student of Maggie's, and he came in at the end of our two-year program, and he taught this playwriting for actors workshop, and that's how we met. Mm. He was my teacher. (laughs) Um, Are any plans to go back to New York? Yeah, I'm going to go back to New York. At the end of the summer, I'm producing my friend Bixby Elliott, the one who taught me taught me how to make fake jizz. <laughs> um, he has written a beautiful play called Summer Fool, and it's about the first gender reassignment surgery. Mm. Um, and it's an incredible story um, about 
the man who transitioned to become a woman and his wife and how his wife stayed with him. And it's really mm. about a really beautiful love story. Um, and it's one of the most incredible pieces of theater I've ever read. So I'm going to go back to produce that. So I'm super excited about that. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Do you have like a goal that you're working towards or, or um, you know, how, how will you know when you've accomplished what you set out? <laughs> um, how will I know? Um, when, when I'm like touching people on a global scale um, and I, I'm, I'm able to translate my work across like various mediums and people who I've never met before, not like friends of friends, but like real true strangers are able to access my work and for it to have an effect on them. Like that's when I'll feel that I've really accomplished something. Is there someone, uh, if you could trade places, not in life, but but your, a career, is there someone whose career you'd like to have? Oh, whose career would I like to emulate? Mm -hmm. Chelsea Handler, Tina Fey, Louis C.K., Larry David, Mike Birbiglia. You can do a Chelsea Handler for sure. I mean, I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. You know, half Asian, less drunk. Yeah, she's funny. Right. I saw her um, live with Gwyneth Paltrow, LA Live Talks. How was that? It was good. Gwyneth Paltrow, I mean, she's cool, but she's a terrible interviewer. Uh-oh. Yeah. She's just kind of boring. Oh. But um, you, I guess Chelsea got to pick who interviewed her and their friends, and they've done a ton of things together, social and, you know, personal. So, But anyway, she was great. I love Chelsea Handler live. She was great. Great storyteller. Awesome. Nice. Well, maybe you could find her around town and bump her off, and then you can take her place. <laughs> That's a great career plan. Yeah. Thank you. That'll that'll then that'll you make a show about it. Yeah, that'll be my new like best piece of advice I've gotten about work. <laughs> <laughs> I see her at Santa Monica Stairs sometimes, so maybe you can like ambush. You do? Her. That's good. Do you really? I'm surprised. Uh, she... Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah. I, I I have seen her there. Mm. I don't go anymore, but to the stairs. Not because of running into Chelsea. It's just I moved, so it's oh, convenient. It's not convenient anymore. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. It's not like there's a restraining order right. or anything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this with us. Thanks for having it's me. It's been fun learning about you. Um, <laughs> come back when you, know, you have your next thing and let's talk about it. Yeah, I would love that. Awesome. Cool. Yay. Cool. Okay, that was our episode with Melanie Maras. I hope it made you laugh. I know it made me laugh. Hey, that was um, Cassie, my sometimes co-host. If you liked her, leave us a comment and we'll see if we can bring her back for another one. She's, uh, she's kind of on a hiatus right now, but you never know. See what happens. Hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Find us on Facebook and make sure you check out our new YouTube page for our growing catalog of Rebel Radio videos. Radio videos, that's what's up. Come back next week. My guest will be the one and only Shira Lazar with great stories from the world of YouTube. I'll talk to you then. <laughs>